welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is eight minutes after the hour. State Representative and Second Amendment supporter Chuck Basie on board with us this morning. So is Dale Roberts with the same, well, he's not a state representative, but he's a Second Amendment supporter. And Garson is in from Graphs, graphs.com. They are in Mexico, Missouri. Well worth the ride. Uh, I'm going to, good morning, guys. I'm going to start off with uh, the top-selling firearms uh, in the country. This is uh, from Pew uh, uh, Tactical. And I want Garson's input on this because some of these, <laughs> some of these, they just strike me as a bit odd. Uh, and, and others really fit well. And by the way, Garson has brought in uh, a few uh, very large packages here that uh, I'm dying to get into. We'll do that at the top of the hour. Uh, let's start off with the Glock 19. It's a 9mm Gen 5. Uh, they say that is the top-selling gun uh, last month. Doesn't surprise me. Glock is pretty popular, Garson. Oh, yeah. I mean, Glock's been a law enforcement handgun for... 30-something years now. Um, it's been adopted by our military now. Um, they're just, you know, simple, reliable, and for what they are, accurate handguns. Well, from here on out, the list gets a little sketchy. <laughs> uh, the Springfield Hellcat 9mm. It's, an, it's a terrific firearm, but I'm kind of surprised that it would be number two on the list. You? No. Um, Springfield's been, a, been really good about having those... Um, Coming out, stock. yeah. Um, they we've been able to get one of those pretty much uh, every two or three weeks. We've been able to get some new ones. Hmm. I like Springfield. It was one of my, uh, I think it was my second semi-automatic was the the XD, and I really loved it. Um, all right, this has got to throw you for a loop. Colt Python revolver. Oh no, I I. Well, I can't believe there's enough Colts out there to make number three, but everybody wants one. I I could sell 10,000 of those if I had them sitting in my shelf right now. No kidding. Yeah. How about the Taurus Well, you got to remember, a, an original Python in varying conditions with, you know, the box and the paperwork are trading for upwards of three or $4,000 or more. Wow. Uh, the Taurus Judge? That one does surprise me. Um the the four ten forty five guns were popular what like ten fifteen years ago. Um, that might just be because you know that was available. Um, I, I think they're great guns for self defense. I mean, it gives you the option of shooting a four ten shot shell. Um, so and there's a bunch of loads out there that make that a really effective round. So I'm surprised, but it it is. I mean, if it's available and you're looking for your first gun for home defense. That would be... A good choice. Yes. Um, and if you are new and you're looking to buy a firearm uh, and you find out which ones are the, the best sellers, it might be a kind of an avenue for you, a place to start. Uh, uh, in the world of rifles, the Smith & Wesson uh, M&P 15 Sport 2 and 556, uh, that's apparently hot. Uh, the M&P 15 22 Sport. The Caltech Sub 2000. Uh, I like that firearm. It's fun, uh, and I got well, one. For, yeah, I believe got, Gwen and I have one. Yes, Gwen and I have one. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Not Gwen and you, Gwen and me. <laughs> Doesn't does confuse people here. <laughs> the, uh, the Remington 700. Uh, I don't know about you, but that sort of surprised me. That, that's kind of hard, considering they haven't been making firearms for the last couple of months. 
Um, I, I just heard that they had started shipping 870s again, uh, but I, yeah, I hadn't seen very many 700s. And the Mossberg, uh, we're looking at shotguns now, Mossberg uh, 590. Yes. I'm still waiting on a lot of those, um, so I don't know where those are all going. But um, they're doing a 590 retro, and I must have one of those. Uh-oh. <laughs> See, I don't know uh, how you have enough money to eat at the end of your paycheck after after you pick up these. Because every time you bring one in, it's like, well, I bought this one. It's the last one. And I think... This guy's going to be starving to death. Uh, Ramen noodles and white rice are cheap. <laughs> it keeps you going. All right. 874-9390. The toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Uh, one popular firearm is a bit of a problem. Um, and, in fact, they're even being sued. Uh, apparently, lots of uh, guys in law enforcement and gals in law enforcement uh, carry this weapon. It is the SIG P320. Have you heard about what's going on with that? Yeah, they're apparently firing unintentionally with uh, certain impacts. Well, the story advice.com um, is even scarier. A police officer was uh, on patrol at a high school baseball game uh, when he heard a gunshot. Uh, within seconds, he realized the bullet came from his own service uh, weapon, a SIG uh, P320. And it hit him. He shot himself in the left angle, or whether, rather his firearm did. I looked around thinking, I might have just been shot. When I went to take a step after hearing that shot, I was unable to do so. Some folks out of the bleachers came over to my assistance and helped me over to, to a place to sit down. He's not a novice gunman. He spent the last 18 years as a Tampa Police Department reserve officer, 30 years of full-time service. Get his gun had gone off that night uh, in his holster when his, when his hand just brushed it yeah, as he I'm, clipped I'm... his keys to his belt. I mean, that's... I know that they were having a problem with them uh, when you drop them, but that's really scary. Any comment? Yeah, that's, that's going to be a big problem for SIG, um, especially since the military has adopted that as the M17. So if the military models are also doing this... Now, I'd, I had heard during the military trials that this was a known issue, and I had heard that it was addressed. So either these are guns that were made and sold before that problem was addressed, or they did not fix the problem. Well, it's going to cost SIG... A lot of money. Oh, yeah. It's, um, it's not going to be cheap. Wow. Uh, 874-9390, toll-free numbers 800-529-5572. I know you're all curious to find out about Missouri's Second Amendment Preservation Act. And we've got a couple of people in studio that can tell us what happened. You're listening to Gary on Guns on Hot Talk, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you on board with us 20 minutes after the hour. Uh, pleased to tell you that uh, State Representative Chuck Basie is on board. Dale Roberts is with us. Garson from Grafts is on board. Hey, Garson from Grafts, that kind of rolls off the tongue. It's, that's pretty good. Garson well, from Grafts. A lot better Grafts. than Sean or Tim. Yeah, but you remind me of Sean. Rolls, okay. off, rolls off the tongue like heartbreak of psoriasis. Yes. <laughs> Those old commercials. Eczema, seborrhea, psoriasis. <laughs> yes. 
All right, that is the uh, voice of Dale Roberts. All right, so the Second Amendment Preservation Act was being challenged yesterday. And, uh, Chuck, were you there, too? No, I was not, but I was uh, following it, of course, and um, very anxious to see what the ruling's going to be. Yeah, Dale was so. there, too. Dale was there. Um, and I think another friend of mine was uh, uh, active in this, uh, and that, uh, that is uh, MoFreedom.org. Uh, let me uh, let me ask you, Dale. Were there and I and I kind of asked you this earlier uh, in a in a uh, text message. Sometimes when you're listening to the bench and they're asking questions, you kind of get a feeling, and it's not always dead accurate or anything like that. But you kind of get a feeling of which way they're leaning. Did you get any sense from the questions they were asking? I'm always fearful of jinxing the outcome but, but, <laughs> yeah. but yes i think i did and and before i before i answer the rest of that i, I want to say uh, i was there jared taylor the bill sponsor was there ron calzone was there and dave roland from mo freedom so i was among some some brains and I was, yeah that was you're in with some high cotton there i was i was um but yes there were a couple of things that that the judge said and you know Maybe I shouldn't read too much into them, but, you know, for starters, uh, you know, Cole County has a strict mask mandate. Everybody in the courthouse must wear a mask at all times. So when the state attorney, which is Solicitor General, uh, I believe it's John Sauer, stood up to speak, he asked the judge, may I remove my mask, you know, while I address the court? It's just easier to do it that way. And the judge... Uh, I don't, I'm not going to try and describe his attitude, but the judge said, you know, the masks either work or they don't. I don't care if you wear it, you know, I don't care if you wear it or not, which just is maybe some insight into how he feels about things. And as I said, maybe one shouldn't read too much into that. Um, but then the, uh, let's see, one of the other ones, uh, one of the attorneys at, for either Kansas City or St. Louis said something about, you know, the effect of this bill is to reduce funding to our agencies or our departments. And he quickly, I mean, he jumped on it and said, well, they have the authority to do that. You know, the legislature has the authority to reduce, authority to reduce funding as if, you know, you're just way off. You, you have no point here. Um, and, and so he, you know, a couple of times, you know, he's... A good jurist, you know, he didn't give much give much away, um, but I, and he is. If I had had to have chosen which judge in that particular courthouse, he would have been my first choice. Um, so I think he's the right judge to hear this case. Um, so I, I'm op, I'm optimistic and cautiously optimistic, huh? Exactly, and. You know, the judge said, both attorneys on each side said, for pretty much no matter what happens, this is going down the street. You know, this is going to go to the other end of High Street and end up at the Missouri Supreme Court. Can this, can this end up in a federal court? The, well, what's happening, the Department of Justice is waiting, and the answer is yes, the Department of Justice is waiting in the wings to file against the state of Missouri. And interestingly enough... Um, the DOJ attorney flew in or drove in. I don't know how I got there. 
um, <laughs> but but came in on his broom. Yeah, <laughs> came in from you know wh- wherever his office is. Um, that's Alan Simpson from Department of Justice, or and uh, sat in the back of the courtroom, listened to the entire proceedings, and afterwards when we were talking, I said, you know, I I kind of hate that DOJ, you know. Everybody had to reveal their cards. He will learn by the mistakes St. Louis and Kansas City made, which were many. I'm not saying DOJ would have made those same mistakes. And he has seen the state's case in full. So he is better prepared if and when, and I think it's going to be when, he files against the state of Missouri. So he's keeping his powder dry, just sitting back watching all the arguments unfold. And he knows where the weakest links are. Uh, if, in fact, he does uh, pursue this. I don't understand how this is possible. I mean, you have states and communities around the country, uh, California comes to mind as one of them, where they're telling law enforcement, you cannot assist ICE. You can't help them in any way. And that seems to have upheld uh, judicial scrutiny. You have states around the country like Colorado and, in part, uh, Missouri, where uh, local law enforcement are not pursuing people smoking marijuana or selling it. So I don't understand how they think they have a leg to stand on because we've we've got precedent, don't we? Well, and, of course, the answer is, well, that's different. Oh, well, all right, so I'm sorry I asked. Yeah, that's that's what they want to do. And... To some extent, one could wonder why the conservative side of the legal aisle has not made, you know, brought challenges against those. And I think much to the credit of the Missouri Attorney General, I mean, um, there was an, a huge case on immigration, and we won just uh, this last week that the parties who the the caption of the case was state of texas and missouri versus joseph r biden defendant and i i love that caption and the plaintiffs missouri and texas won no other state bothered to get involved but missouri attorney general is really up front on these issues and basically saying you know the uh you know the liberal states lined up and went after the Trump administration for all, administration for all of his policies, and why is why are we sitting back with the Biden administration and not acting? And Eric Schmidt is acting, and as I said, they won uh, that case against Biden and overturned. Uh, he Trump put into place an immigration policy that said, you know, if you're illegal in the country, you don't get to stay here. It's not catch and release. We're going to send you back pending your application. And the, the data showed hundreds of thousands of people were stopped. Millions of dollars were saved. Joe Biden, on his first day in office, reversed that policy and said, we're not doing that anymore. And the federal court said, that was unlawful. Yes, you are. And that's, you know, as I said, Eric Schmidt's office. Jesus Orsette, I think, argued that case. I could be wrong. Maybe I shouldn't name names. But I know the solicitor generals were involved. Well, the the Biden administration has reversed a lot of uh, President Trump's, uh, I don't know if you want to call them laws, but policies. 
including the one on how to get out of Afghanistan. Now, that, that didn't work out too well. I, I, <clears throat> that's been, I, sorry, I was going to say, that's been a hot topic at the American Legion meetings this last week. Oh, I imagine it is. I, I, I mean, I am just stunned at the, at the failure of that strategy. And the best quote I heard from anyone in the news about that as it was breaking was, is this going to be another Saigon or is this going to be another Dunkirk? Wow, yeah. Dunkirk. Yeah, are we going to just go off and leave these people or are we going to, are we going to stay until the last man is out? Uh, this is, this. he is not Winston Churchill. <laughs> I will tell you that. I think Glenn Beck's going to be Winston Churchill in this instance. Why do you say that? Well, his Nazarene fund has raised, I think, enough money to rescue 5,000, 6,000 people now. Wow. That's, and that's, that's impressive. All, yeah, that's all private citizens and, and volunteers for this organization. That And I, it just it's insane what they're able to do on, on their own without any governmental assistance. Well, because this is the gun show and not the weekday show, I have to find a way to tie this all together. So let me just say this. If there's anybody out there looking for a great American-made rifle, head over to Afghanistan because we left them all over the place. <laughs> oh, that's shocking. All you have to I'm do. I'm sure we left more than that. Uh, well, apparently we left some uh, attack helicopters and uh, other aircraft. Well, we, now, did we leave those or did we give those to the Afghan army to get them prepared to defend themselves? And then <laughs> they just walked away from them as the Taliban came rushing in? A little of both. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know about you guys, but if I were there under those circumstances uh, and there was no support, I might have flown one of those helicopters out of the country. Hmm. And, you know, I, I would be willing to bet that communist China and Putin would love to get their hands on that on those technology. Aircraft. Huh? On that uh, technology? Yeah. yeah. They left drones, too. Oh, good, no. good, good! Yeah, All right, fantastic. We're gonna get back. To, we're gonna get back to guns and carry on guns, uh, and it's on Hot Talk ninety three nine The Eagle. Hey, welcome! It's thirty five minutes after the hour. If you want to uh, send me a message, you can just go to GaryNolan.com. It'll pop up on the screen here. Uh, in the meantime, uh, pleased to tell you that Chuck Basie, State Representative, Second Amendment supporter, he's on board with us. Uh, Dale Roberts is in. Garrison uh, from Graphs is on board. And uh, Garson, from here, that looks like a 1911, but it looks, well, different. Oh, yeah, it's, it's not a 1911. Yeah, that looks intriguing. I can't wait to get the details. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll go to the phones here, uh, and we'll also talk a little bit about uh, criminals, because in New York, they've come up with a new way to try and curb crime. I don't know how well it'll work, uh, but we'll we'll chat about it. Uh, Chuck, welcome. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. How are you? Doing great. Always be uh, great to be here. No, 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 no not, not you, Chuck. I should have oh. pointed at the phone. Oh, I'm sorry. Chuck, I we thought... don't care how you are. Oh, I thought you were me. Yeah, we wow. don't care about you. We just wow. want to talk. We just want to talk to the other Chuck. Hello, Chuck. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Hey, uh, since you all brought it up, it's just something that impressed me so much yesterday, and uh, I just wanted to reiterate. I. Uh, I'm just really impressed at how the uh, government, while they're sitting on their thumbs and putting on a slide of hand show for the media and the general public with Afghanistan, 
went back in four days, raised $23 million, chartered an Airbus, and started his own rescue. I just think that's very, very impressive. And uh, you just don't see that a whole lot this, these days. And I it just, uh, I just had to say, since you all brought it up, that I uh, I agree with you all. That, that was just really impressive what he, he's done. And uh, we need a lot more people like that. Yeah, it is amazing. I mean, and it's so underrated what charity can do that government can't. Yep. Uh, and we see it over and over again, and historically we've seen it. And we are the most philanthropic country in the world. We give more to charities like that than any other country. Uh, and, you know, when, you're, when people are volunteering the money, when they're not being compelled to give it, uh, give it to an organization, that organization is really careful on how they spend that money. I guarantee you, yeah. uh, Glenn Beck and company are going to be parsimonious as hell and get as much done with that money as can be done. Exactly. And, you know, when I hear stories like that, that's one of the, the you know, other than when I, I signed up and uh, was in basic training and went through the mill, you know, AIT and was in service, I felt proud to be American then. But when I hear stories like that, that's when I really feel proud. That makes me feel like what I was taught America was supposed to be. And uh, I don't know. It just made me feel real patriotic yesterday, and I'm still feeling it today. So I just had to call and bring that up. <laughs> well, we're glad you did. Chuck, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on Gary on Guns. Uh, I suppose we could ask our Chuck how he's doing now that we've cut him short. Good morning, Chuck Basie. Hey, good morning. I, th I thought you were talking to me. I'm sorry. No, no, that's all right. It's an understand. I I should have. Uh, I, I I just didn't have Chuck's last name. Otherwise, it, but it's, it was good to hear another Chuck talk a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, wow. he made some very good points. Score. Yeah. Oh, so there are a variety of reasons for the. Oh, before I get into this, uh, variety of reasons for the gun sales being so hot. Garson, how are we doing on firearms? Are, are we get? Are they starting to loosen up a little more at Graphs? Are we getting more? I have got so many guns in the retail store that they've had to find new places to put them. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, which, uh, you know, do you have Glocks? Because they're pretty hot. We just talked about that. Uh, we've got a few Glocks. I just got a large shipment of Shadow Systems, which is a, uh, a Glock clone with um, all the, all the high-end upgrades already in the gun. So there's not much you have to do once you buy it other than, you know, choose the optic you want to put on it, and uh, get a holster. I have heard a lot of good things about what they do. Um, so I'm, I'm Yeah, they're, they're making them in uh, Plano, Texas. They're well-built guns. I've got three of them now. It, it seems like COVID has presented the opportunity for a lot of new entrants into the firearms market. There's well, um, Shadow Systems actually started um, as one of the potential sources for firearms for that Army contract that Glock did end up winning. But that's where all these, um, like Grego's Precision, Zev, that, that's why they all rushed out a Glock 19 size gun um, because that was what fit the parameters for that trial. Right. Um, I just it, mean. It the, seems like it was kind of tailor made for Glock, and that's why they won, maybe. But um, that's where Shadow Systems came from, and uh, they, they've really hit it out of the park. So they're turning out a gun with as many features as a Zev for half the price of a Zev. And only a, a couple hundred bucks more than the comparable Glock model. And, boy, you, you know, it's already 
uh, upgraded. I don't know how you go how you go wrong with that. Uh, how about the world of ammunition? Ammunitions. I think there's been a lull. I don't think we're over the over out of the woods yet, but um, we've got more ammo in stock than we've had in two years. Well, that's a good sign. Uh, nine millimeter. A little bit. A little bit everything. Um, some of the more unique calibers we, we've not received pl- replenishment on since the ammunition, ammunition manufacturers are focusing on, you know, the most popular calibers instead of, you know, making some of the 9mm and then tearing that line down and trying to squeeze out some, uh, you know, four, 454 Casul or something um, that has a much lower demand. Uh, Mike Rogers just asked me to ask you what I've just asked you. Gary, <laughs> <laughs> would you ask your guests about the current ammo supply? All right. Um, so. I, I think once once primers are readily available, we will be out of the woods officially. Um, but until that happens, yeah, I we're we're still there's still a shortage. What about there was looking like a powder shortage for a while. Is that getting better? Um, as soon as Lake City catches up with their military contract. Uh, all the powder shortages should be over. When do you think Lake City will catch up? I do not know. I I don't know how far behind they are on the contract. So when Federal lost their contract to operate Lake City, Winchester took it over, or Winchester's awarded the new contract. And apparently when Federal left, anything that wasn't actually U.S. military property was out of the building. So Winchester basically had to get everything back in to ramp up production to go back into production. So I don't know how far that put them put them behind them on contract deliveries. But yeah, that's that's where most if not all the, you know, new manufactured powder is going to right now. I wonder if and this is kind of a long shot, but I'm just I wonder if people watching what's going on in Afghanistan and you know how well armed these people are and you know that they might be coming across the border who knows uh, if that will drive uh, gun sales even further. Probably a long shot. They're probably not thinking that far in advance, but we'll see. In the meantime, uh, one of the things that has been driving uh, gun sales uh, is all the rioting in the streets and all the crimes. You look at uh, the news and every night you'll see a story out of New York or Chicago or L.A. uh, where somebody will just, you know, openly, you know, just open fire on a group of people. Uh, And it's it's hard to understand how they get away with that in New York, uh, Chuck, because uh, after all, they've got those really strict gun laws. I, you know, I, I, it's nothing to joke about, but I was thinking to myself as you were talking about that that uh, maybe we ought to file, uh, you know, legislation to fix that. Yeah, because uh, <laughs> they're already breaking the law. You know, of course, I'm joking, but yeah. um, it's just, uh, yeah, you're right, Gary. It's uh, the places where this is happening is already the places where they have the uh, most strict. Firearms law, so um, anyway. Well, on the upside, uh, there's a case wending its way uh, through the Supreme Court uh, dealing with shall issue versus may issue. Uh, In the state of New York, it's may issue, and I think they're going to challenge that because you have a right under the Constitution uh, to own and bear arms, and, you know, that somebody in, in, uh, in the sheriff's office uh, can prevent you from doing that, I would think would be a violation of the Constitution. Uh, but we'll see how that turns out. In the meantime, New York is, instead of, you know, just voluntarily going, okay, it shall issue. You meet the requirements, you're, you know, not a criminal, you know how to fire a gun, you know the basics of the law, will give you a permit. Instead of doing that, they're going to spend a million dollars 
on a violence prevention program. Um, and what they're going to do is they're going to take uh, some kid who is deemed at risk, and it, they're going to pair him up with a formerly incarcerated mentor, and then pay a thousand dollars a month, as well as bonuses for meeting agreed upon goals like getting a driver's license or passing the G the GED. So, in other words. They will get paid $1,000 a month or more for doing what we've been doing for free. So, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I go to New York. Uh, yeah, you I, can finally get your GED, Gary. Well, Yeah, that would be good. Well, and so basically, I mean, it kind of sounds like you're saying we will pay $1,000 a month to an experienced criminal to mentor an up-and-coming criminal. <laughs> well, now that now that you put it that way, <laughs> Chuck, uh, Chuck, he, he he's making fun of this plan. Um, we could be giving away money to criminals. Uh, maybe then they wouldn't need to be criminals. Well, um, you know, it's it's been tried in Missouri. There's always uh, legislation similar to this that um, Democrats file that that uh, thankfully don't go anywhere. But um, <laughs> it, it's. Uh, yeah, it's another example of uh, crazy stuff that liberals tend to do. $1,000 a month? I could buy myself a nice firearm every month with that with the proceeds from your tax dollars. Wow. Ooh. Not a not a bad way to go. You're listening to Gary on Guns, Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is 51 minutes after the hour. Uh, we got uh, Chuck Basie on board, state representative. Do we got Dale Roberts? He's an attorney and a gun rights supporter. And Garson, of course, from Graffs, and he's brought in a table full of firearms uh, <laughs> that I can't get my hands on just yet. But I'm dying to find out about that uh, stainless steel. That thing looks just tough as hell. That's why I brought it. Thank you very much. I'll just <laughs> drool over that. In the meantime, let me go to the phones here. Uh, Kevin. <laughs> the AFT. Kevin, welcome. Glad to have you. Gary on guns. Hey, um, I just am reading an article that the ATF has just said that the rare breed FRT-15, which is like a, uh, a trigger uh, mechanism, is now being called a machine gun. So um, their uh, rare breed's been told to stop selling them and then... Uh, Rare Breed also has to let them know who they sold them to. So um, they're coming for uh, now certain adapt adaptations for um, ARs and, and calling them machine guns. Uh, let me uh, turn this over to uh, Garson. Are you familiar with this, Garson? Yeah, the Rare Breed is a forced reset trigger. So it uses part of the recoil energy to force the trigger to reset. Kind of like a bump stock? No. Um, no. Nothing like a bump stock. Like binary trigger? No. It's it's oh. different from binary triggers. It's it's only actuated on the pull stroke. So it only it only fires from the pull position. But the way the gun resets, it kicks your finger off the trigger um, to increase or to decrease your split times. So you're able to pull the trigger much quicker with that faster reset. That way your mind doesn't have to consciously think, okay, the trigger's reset, let go. It's automatically it's automatically forcing your finger off the trigger or forcing the trigger back into the reset position. Hmm. 
And were they selling these to uh, dealers or directly to uh, gun owners? You you get them directly from them or through various retailers across the country. So I could go into Graphs, for instance, if you guys carried that, and I, I you probably, I don't know. Uh, then the ATF would have no idea that I that I got one. Correct. We, we do have we do have the Franklin Army triggers now, um, but we do not carry uh, the um, the the forced reset triggers from um, these guys. All right, Kevin, thank you for the call. Glad to have you on, uh, Gary, on guns. Tell me about this other trigger that you carry. So, I really don't like talking about it. So, people that don't know about it, should, that shouldn't know about it, don't know about it. But um, what it is, it, the trigger fires when you pull the trigger, and then the trigger resets when it's set in the binary position. It'll do standard semi-auto. But then once the trigger is pulled, when it's in the binary position, it will also fire on release. Um, like some sporting shotguns. Um, so you get, there's two trigger pulls per so on in and, and off. out. Yeah. On and off, on and off, on and off. Well, that's not, uh, that's not uh, automatic. It's sort of a double tap. It, it is, time it is not, but I think if, if too much attention gets brought to it by the wrong people, it's, it's also going to suffer the same fate as this trigger. You know, and the bump stock and all, you know, anything else that's, you know, clearly not a machine gun, but the ATF will reinterpret it as one. Do we know where the bump stock deal is going? I I, I know that... Uh, Goa defeated it. It's being challenged again, so it's got to go up another level. You know, the problem with the ATF and the problem with big government is you can't keep up with them. I mean, they... Well, no, they're they using change. their own money against us, and they have an unlimited amount of it, unlike us. Yeah, and then they changed the rules, turning innocent firearms owners into criminals instantly. Uh, and then, and where's the you know where's the buyback for that? Yeah, well, I think once I'm a criminal, I have no incentives to follow any other laws, so I'm just going to go full tilt. You know, isn't there something uh, in the law, Dale, that that says uh, if the federal government it's it's a taking that that I should get reimbursed? Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's an unlawful taking. If the government takes your property, they have to reimburse you for it. And it's most commonly seen in eminent domain. We need we need part of your farm for this new highway. And you can argue with them and take it to court about, no, my, my property's worth more than that. But eventually, you know, for the most part, the government can say, you know, we need this it, property. It's for the greater good. Yeah. And you lose your property. Yeah, we're taking it. Eminent domain. Yeah, and, but taking my bump stock is... Uh, oh, absolutely. And well, and they didn't compensate anyone for that. So that yeah. was a completely illegal operation. Yeah. And that's what many of us have said all along. That was a taking. Where's the money? Where's my money? Well, I guess it wasn't really a taking because they didn't collect them. It was more of a forfeiture that you had to destroy your own property or surrender it. I think... I think the definition yeah, think legal, of the law yeah. covers that, doesn't yeah, it? I mean, if you yes. render my property uh, valueless, uh, then you've got to compensate me for this. And I'm, you know, I haven't followed the bump stock litigation. I guess I should. So I don't know if that's a if that's one of the legal arguments they're pursuing. Well, that, that should have been the main argument. And I, I think more people were more concerned about them banning the bump stocks than the actual, you know, denial of property without compensation part of it and that's the part that angers me more yeah well they're they're both important issues uh they're both 
uh, you know, one is the nose of the camel, which right, has frankly already been under the tent. The other one, though, is if the federal government can turn something that I paid for into something that is useless and worthless. But the bump stock only affects us as gun owners and the, and the smaller subsect of people that actually own them. The forfeiture of property affects every citizen. The government has now told us right. there is nothing you don't own that we cannot take from you and not compensate you for. Right, and that's that was my that's the point that I was going for. If they could do this to bump stocks, they could do it to anything. And I think they believe they have that kind of omnipotence. All right, Chuck Basie on board with us. Dale Roberts and Garson from Graffs on Gary on Guns. Let's find out what those firearms on the table are all about. That's next.